Hello, and welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 1970 film, The Aristocats. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film, or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our overall impressions of the film and the songs from the film. We'll also be giving a score to the film and ranking the songs. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy this episode. The Aristocats is a 1970 American animated romantic musical comedy film directed by Wolfgang Reithman. The 20th Disney animated feature film, the film is based on a story by Tom McGowan and Tom Rowe, and revolves around a family of aristocratic cats and how an alley cat acquaintance helps them after a butler has kidnapped them to gain his mistress's fortune, which was intended to go to them. In 1962, the Aristocats project began as an original script for a two-part live-action episode for Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, developed by writers McGowan and Rowe and producer Harry Title. Following two years of rewrites, Walt Disney suggested the project would be more suitable for an animated film and placed the project in turnaround as The Jungle Book advanced into production. When The Jungle Book was nearly complete, Disney appointed Ken Anderson to develop the preliminary work on The Aristocats, making it the last film project to be approved by Disney personally before his death in December of 1966. This is the last movie to end with, quote, a Walt Disney production, end quote, and the first of the Walt Disney animated classics to open with, quote, Walt Disney Production Presents, end quote. This would continue up until The Fox and the Hound in 1981. It should be noted, however, that Disney had spent time working on the story for The Rescuers, which was released in 1977. Longtime Disney collaborators Robert and Richard Sherman composed multiple songs for the film, though only two made it into the finished project. And in my research, I actually found out they wrote the songs for Bedknobs and uh, Broomsticks, and we're like, that's it, we're out. We don't like the way the studio's going now. We're done with Disney, and they left. Interesting. Um, yeah. The Aristocats premiered on December 11th, 1970, and released in theaters on December 24th that same year. The film was then re-released to theaters on December 19th, 1980, and April 10th, 1987. Overall, The Aristocats made $55 million on a budget of $4 million, making it a box office success. Like I said, the budget was $4 million, or in today's money, $30.6 million, and the box office overall ended up being $191 million, or in today's money, $1.5 billion. The story is by Ken Anderson, Larry Clemens, Eric Kelworth, Vance Jerry, Julius Svensted, Frank Thomas, Ralph Wright, and it is based on the, Aristoc uh, the Aristocats by Tom McGowan and Tom Rowe. It was produced by Winston Hibbler and Wolfgang Reithman. The film was edited by Tom Acosta. The music is by George Bruns. The production company is Walt Disney Productions. It was distributed by Buena Vista Distribution. The runtime is 79 minutes. And the film stars Ava Gabor as Duchess, with Robbie Lester providing the singing voice for Duchess. Phil Harris as J. Thomas O'Malley. I love these characters that all have the J abbreviation. Um, the Fox from uh, Pinocchio also had the J abbreviation. Yeah. Gary, Gary Dublin as Toulouse. Liz English as Marie. 
Dean Clark as Berlioz, Roddy Maud Roxby as Edgar Balthazar, Scatman Crothers as Scat Cat, Paul Winchell as Shunjung, uh, Lord Tim uh, Hurston as Hit Cat, Vito Scotty as Peppo, Thurl Ravenscroft as Billy Boss, Sterling Holloway as Roquefort, Pat Buttram as Napoleon, George Lindsay as Lafayette, Hermione Badley as Madame as Madame, I'm not, I'm not even going to attempt. As Madame Adelaide Bonfemia. <laughs> you know what? From now on, after this movie, I'm saying the names. You're, Forget you you're, doing you're it. I don't to, know why we let you do I don't it. Know, I don't know why either. You're welcome <laughs> to it. You want to take over here? Because I cannot do okay. French. Go ahead. Charles Lane as Georges Hotcourt. Nancy Culp as Fru-Fru. Ruth Buzzy provided her singing voice. Monica Evans as Abigail Gabble, Carol Shelley as Amelia Gabble, Bill Thompson as Uncle Waldo, and Peter Renaday as French Milkman, Le Petit Café Cook, and Truck Movers. Uncredited. Yeah, he was uncredited. (laughs) Well, that was very nicely done. So I have some notes here about the home media release. The Aristocrats was released on VHS in Europe on January 1st, 1990, and in the UK in 1995. It was first released on VHS in North America on April 24th, 1996, as part of the Masterpiece Collection. In January 2000, Walt Disney Home Video launched the Gold Classic Collection, and The Aristocats was released on VHS and DVD on April 4th, 2000. The Gold Collection release was quietly discontinued in 2006. A new single-disc special edition DVD previously announced as a two-disc set, was released on February 5th, 2008. Disney released the film on Blu-ray for the first time on August 21st, 2012. The two-disc special edition Blu-ray DVD combo featured a new digital transfer and new bonus material. A single-disc DVD edition was also released on the same day. In 2005... Disney Toon Studios originally planned to make a follow-up to the film, along with sequels to Chicken Little 2005 and Meet the Robinsons 2007. Initially intended to be a 2D animated feature, Disney executives decided to produce the film in computer animation in order to garner more interest. Additionally, the story was meant to center around Marie, Duchess's daughter, who becomes smitten by another kitten aboard a luxury cruise ship. However, she and her family must soon take on a jewel thief on the open seas. The project was canceled when John Laster was named Disney's new chief uh, creative officer, in which he called off all future sequels Disney Toon had planned, and instead make original productions or spinoffs. You know what? I kind of get that, though. Yeah. None of the Disney Toon stuff has ever really done well. No, I mean, the Aladdin cartoon show was popular, and the Hercules one was kind of popular too, but I, I, I can understand where, where that's coming from. There was also a canceled TV series. In 2000, a TV series titled The Aristocats, the animated series, was commissioned by Disney Television Animation. The series would follow Marie, Toulouse, and Berlioz, now teenagers and also anthropomorphic, along with a new character named Delancey. 
The series was scheduled to be released sometime in 2002, but production was put on hold in 2001. It would restart production in 2003, with a release scheduled for late 2006 or 2007, only for it to be scrapped after Disney's acquisition of Pixar. And in January of 2022, it was announced that a live-action remake is in development with Will Gluck producing under his Olive Bridge Entertainment banner and Keith Burnin penning the script with Gluck. So let's dive into the movie. First thing we have is that warning about negative depictions in the film, which... It I... took me a second to realize why it was there, too, because I was like, huh, that's uh, weird. Yeah, I didn't realize it until we got to the scene. I was like, oh, I don't remember anything that bad about this movie. It's been some time yeah, since I last saw same. it. But... I like though I was like, why is this depiction here? Yeah. Like, I wasn't expecting the warning, and I was like, hmm can't remember yeah when we got there i was like oh, oh yes that is now why i remember yeah, yeah. and it is a well-earned uh warning Earned. yeah but yes yeah. definitely was not like prep didn't think about it no and we have the opening title sequence which has outlines of the characters from the film with the song the Aristoc- aristocats sung by maurice go ahead <laughs> let's Sorry. let's M- maurice chevalier chevalier I'm sure neither of us are saying that correctly. The French have ridiculous pronunciations of their names. Man, uh, at this point, am I going to need to take over reading a plot of this movie so we don't do this every five seconds? But I, my note that I wrote down here was certainly different from the previous opening sequences and a cute song, but I personally don't enjoy the singer, so five out of ten. I thought it was cute animation for the opening but i didn't like the opening sequence mm. but i did like the song so i gave it a seven out of ten because i thought it was cute okay it kind of reminded me of uh, 101 dalmatians yes. a little bit um but i have some criticisms of the film that we'll get to later and uh they're reminding me of 101 dalmatians so much might be one of them <laughs> um but the year is 1910 on an autumn day in paris a mother cat named duchess and her three kittens marie Berlioz. Berlioz and Toulouse live in the mansion of a retired opera singer, Madame, go ahead, Ashley, take it Madame away. Madame Adelaide Bonfamille, along with her English butler, Edgar Balthazar. Okay, I didn't need you to finish the sentence, well, but th- thank, well. thank you. Um, she early on settles uh, her will with her lawyer, George uh, Hothcourt, an aged, eccentric old friend of hers stating that she wishes the faithful Edgar to look after her beloved cats until they die. Only then will he inherit the uh, fortune himself. And I wrote down that Georges uh, cracks me up. His physicality and his bad jokes, I just found them very funny. Oh yeah, he was great. Mm. I loved him. Mm. I liked his little song too while he was singing about being an attorney. There was a little song there. Oh, I didn't notice yes, it. Yes, there oh. was. Oh, well, I, didn't, I don't have I that. I have in... it written down. Oh, go ahead. I, don't I gave it, it a 3 out of 10. Mostly, it wasn't a good song, but he was funny. Okay. He was doing a little bit of singing there, though. All right. Well, three out of ten, that's what we're having. We're giving it that. Okay. Um, Edgar hears this from his own room and believes that he will be dead before he inherits the madame's fortune. And so he plots to remove the cats from a position of inheritance, clearly not thinking about how he would be essentially in control of the fortune, despite having to take... Uh, good care of them which is interesting because i like at the beginning of the film it seems like edgar is a very nice guy like he's obviously the villain of this movie 
But it's not until the money is there that he becomes, yeah. like, the villain. And that's what kills me is, like, the cats and Madame are like, oh, but he loves the kitties. Yeah. And it's like, dude. Also, like, I get the money wouldn't have been his if, like, it, he had, it played out. But, like, sir, you could have just kept using the money how you wanted to, like. Exactly. What are the, the, cat- cat, the cats need a new bathroom. Yeah. I need a new bathroom. What the- I need to take care of myself to take care of the cats, right? Are the cats going to sue them or something? Like, no. Like, obviously he could have just done them with the I money. mean, I guess Georges would have to, like, agree to, like, give him money for things. But, like, mm. I don't think he'd have to dress like a butler anymore. Like, he could probably just live his life comfortably. Yeah. Like, I'm like, you'd have a comfortable life. Agreed. Taking care of the cats. Like... The cats aren't going to sleep with you up in your room, so you'd probably be allowed to, like, come downstairs and sleep downstairs with the cat. Like, there's so much about it that just makes me, like, yeah. you are a dumb man, Edgar. If they at least given him, like, some sort of, even something as simple as that he's allergic to cats, like, then it could have been some sort of motivating factor for him to get rid of them. But, like, no, it's just like, oh, he's this nice guy, and then he has this opportunity to inherit money, to and he's like, wealthy. gotta get it. Like, yeah. Um, I have a couple notes here, but the the first one I have is that the painting that Toulouse made of Edgar was shockingly accurate and better than anything that I could make. I know. And, I like and the I, cats being yeah. like, it's Edgar. <laughs> yeah. And then we have the song Scales and Arge- Argapellos. And it is sung Arpeggios. by... Arpeggios. Oh, thank you. Scales and Arpeggios, <laughs> sung by Liz English, Gary Dubbin, Dean Clark, and Robbie Lester. And I wrote that uh, this song gives me theater kid, uh, quote unquote, theater kids vibes. It's nothing special for me. And once again, I don't really enjoy the singing. Thankfully, it was short. Five out of ten. See, I like this song. I had the song stuck in my head for a couple of days after watching this. Well, there you go. I think that's cute. I gave it a seven out of ten. But we did miss. Edgar also was saying when he was talking about talking with Kittle and Kitties, there was like a Bye Bye Kitty song. Was there really? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, they weren't, like, full songs, but you know how usually we talk about these, like, weird off things that happen? Yeah. yeah he had a little, like, weird off, like, he was like, bye-bye kitties, talk about the kitties, and wanting to kill the kitties. And I was like, root song, three out of ten. <laughs> no, two out of ten, he was killing the kitties, that's... All right, well, you, you know, two out of ten, I he agree with his, you then. He sang his villain song. Edgar sedates the cats by putting an entire bottle of sleeping pills into their food and then heads out to the French countryside to dispose of them. However, two hound dogs named Napoleon and Lafayette attack him. After the conflict, Edgar escapes, leaving behind his umbrella, hat, the cat's, bread ba- or the cat's bed basket, and the sidecar of his motorcycle in the process. The cats are left alone and afraid in the countryside, while Madame Ro- Roquefort... Mm, Roquefort... Roquefort. Thank you. Roquefort. But it's French. They don't pronounce the T at the end. It's it's just got to be Roquefort. Nah, whatever. Roque, Roquefort. And they just don't pronounce it. We're saying you're saying it with a hard T. It's like Roquefort, not Roquefort. Nah. Roquefort. And Fru Fru, the horse, discover their absence. And my first note here is that Sterling Holloway is clearly doing an early version of his Winnie the Pooh fo- uh, voice for Roquefort, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was almost exactly the same thing. And then Roquefort's little hat and coat make him look like a tiny Sherlock Holmes. And I wonder if this inspired another Disney mouse yet to come. 
I feel like it inspired a lot of Disney masses because it does remind me also, I know what you're talking about, but it also reminds me of the rescuers. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Like they're all mice and mice doing things. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about the rescuers. Yes, you were thinking of the great mouse detective. I was. Which also makes sense, but my mind came to like rescuers because it reminds me of the mice and that trying to like save people all the time. You know, it's fun. I've only seen the rescuers <laughs> once as a child and uh, didn't like it. However, the rescuers down under, I loved. Like that was that was a great. I don't know. I I, I remember the rescuers I being sad. I feel like sad. the rescuers is very sad, yeah. kind of like scary at points too. Like it's not a fun children's movie, I would say. Mm. But the rescuers down under is so, yes. and that's why I liked it. And then I love I love the dogs. They're so mm. fun. They're so ridiculous. Yeah. But also, I love the chasing Agar scene. Like all of it. Well, that one is definitely related to. Um, Oh, I can't think of his name now. The do- the one dog from Lady and the Tramp, who mm-hmm. was the hound dog as yeah. well. I think it was the same voice actor, I mean, if I'm not fair, mistaken. Like, especially, I think, you know, as we're talking, this movie takes a lot from older movies, but also is kind of inspiring in movies yet to come. Right. Disney does tend to rely on dogs and cats and yeah. mice and well, even animals des- for a lot of movies. And the designs. We talked about in Fantasia how similar the Zeus in Fantasia looks to the Zeus that comes out in yes. Hercules, like almost 60 years later and you know that has to be just like animators going back to the archives and being like oh look we have this zeus mm-hmm. let's just tweak him yeah and make him more now agreed in the morning duchess meets an alley cat named thomas o'malley who offers to guide her into uh, who offers to guide her and the kittens to paris and i didn't give his full name the whole Giuseppe Yassetti, <laughs> everything. She made a joke that his, his name covers all of Europe. But we have here the song Thomas O'Malley Cat, and it's sung by Phil Harris. And my first note was, am I the only one who feels like Baloo the Bear just showed up? Seven out of ten. Oh my god. And then also O'Malley was singing the song well before he saw Duchess. So does he just walk around singing about himself all the time? Maybe he does. But so does Baloo, right? Yeah. <laughs> the hell does they walk around singing about yeah. their lives? It's just, not that they weren't believable characters, and not that Phil Harris didn't do a good job with both characters, but he didn't change his voice up in the slightest. Oh, not at <laughs> all. Like, just the same And they all have a very similar, like, nonchalant personalities, too. Yeah. So, like, yeah, Thomas O'Malley's a little bit more flirty, but he's also still very... Like, I'm a laid-back cool cat. That's what I am. We also didn't see Baloo with any female bears around. You know, maybe maybe Baloo... I don't know what Baloo does with his free time. Exactly. Or whatever type of bear Baloo likes. I don't know, you know. <laughs> Whatever he's flirting with. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what he's doing. Exactly. The cats often struggle returning to the city, briefly hitchhiking on the back of a milk cart before being unfortunately chased off by the driver. Marie subsequently falls into a river after a train roars down the tracks and is saved by O'Malley. And I wrote down that tears came to my eye from laughing when uh, when Duchess calls O'Malley amaz- amazing, and he replies, true. And then he pauses and says, true, again, with a smug look on his face. You know something I want to bring up here, though? So the cats also casually talk about having, like, nine lives, and Edgar's, like, whole thing about why he needs to get rid of the cats is because they have nine lives and they'll live forever and ever. Like, in this universe, the cats actually have nine lives? Like, that's my assumption? Yeah, I think so. they live in forever? Yeah. (laughs) Is that that what's going on? And that's why Edgar's like, they'll live forever and I'll die. Yeah. 
Because he's like, cats live an average of 12 years, and they have nine lives, and that's... Oh, no, they'll all live me, like... They'll all live me, like... What? Yeah. But the group then meets a pair of British geese, Abigail and Amelia Gabble, (laughs) who are traveling to Paris. The group heads off, leaving the countryside, marching like geese, until they reach Paris and come across the girl's drunken Uncle Waldo. (laughs) Which, they straight up say he's drunk in it. I think... (laughs) I think this is the first time in a Disney movie that we've had an openly right? like, drunk. Right, like they're just like, character. yeah, you're drunk, Uncle yeah. Waldo. Like, like Dumbo and um, uh, Timothy Mouse were Timothy very Mouse. obviously drunk. Yeah, but, but they didn't say like. And like oh, Pinocchio, we're drunk. no, Pinocchio was very obvious about the drinking. Did they say drunk though? I don't, I don't think know they, if they did. said that. I did say. I think they it were talking beer. about drinking like, beer yeah. though. I do think they. Probably yeah, you're right. They were that. talking about beer because yeah. they were talking about like smoking and stuff too, mm. like doing all things that little boys shouldn't do. So yeah. I don't. Hmm. I don't know if there was. Well, I. I don't know if there was a drinking age in America when Pinocchio came out. Because I know up until the seventies, you had like you had to be eighteen to drink. I don't know. So there might not have been a... Uh, well, anyway, my, my point was, I, uh, this was the first time that I remember them saying, you're drunk in this movie. Like, it was the first time in a Disney movie that I remember them saying a character is drunk. But I've, I also wrote down a note here saying, Abigail and Amelia's criticism of O'Malley after learning that he isn't Duchess's husband. Uh, this also made me laugh. And that some of the humor in this film is, in, is intended for adults and still holds up today. Like, they were just... Yeah. They thought how wonderful he was until they found out he wasn't actually her husband. And from their perspective, this female cat, male cat, and these little kittens, I'm sure they were like, oh, how could he do that to her? Which brings up a question of Duchess's background, because yeah. there is no husband cat in this movie. Um, yeah. Where did those kids go? Where did the kids come from? Maybe Duchess isn't quite the lady that we think she is. Um, I mean, even later, the, the kids are like, aw, we missed out on having a dad. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? No, no, agreed. (laughs) Abigail and Amelia then depart to take Waldo home. Traveling across the rooftops of the city, the cats meet Scat Cat and his band, close friends to O'Malley, who perform the song Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, sung by Phil Harris, Scatman Crothers, Thurl Ravenscroft, Vito Scoto, Paul Winchell, Robbie Lester, and Chorus. The uh, first note I have here is that, obviously, this is the most well-known song from the film. I remember every time Disney released this movie, whether it was on VHS, DVD, or Blu-ray, that the chorus from the song was in every advertisement for it. You couldn't escape it. And it has a great jazz melody, and most of the lyrics are good. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I say most of the lyrics because the character of Shun Gun, I'm not even sure I'm saying that correctly, and his lines in the song were completely unnecessary. It's funny because, like, I didn't even, like, think about that, those lines. Like, I recognized that those lines existed. Yeah. I didn't think about, like, the lines in context. Yeah. Now as an adult, I'm like, oh, right. If anyone's listening to this podcast and doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, just imagine the Siamese cats from Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, it's just as bad, to be honest. Yeah. It, it, it's the same exact character design, I yeah, think. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I agree. I would give this song an 8 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Like, it's probably, it's definitely the best well-known song. Oh, yeah, certainly. Um, I have a note here about how Scat Cat was originally written for Louis Armstrong to voice him and was originally going to be called Scratchmo Cat. And Louis Armstrong's nickname was Scratchmo. Unfortunately for Armstrong, he became ill and was unable to voice the character, leading to the decision to replace him with Scatman 
Crothers and renamed the character Scat Cat. Love that. Yeah, found a little trivia interesting. And then I have a small nitpick about this scene. Um, as the band is marching off, the piano keys are strung between two of the cats, and they're continuing to play them. Uh, that's not how pianos work. I know that that might be ridiculous <laughs> to critique this movie that has talking animals, and they do many things that humans can do, but when I saw it, I literally said out loud, like, hey, that's not how pianos work. They're, they're, the keys actually have nothing to do. It's the strings in the back of the piano and everything that make the sound. But what are you going to do? After the band has departed and the kittens lie in bed, O'Malley and Duchess spend the evening on a nearby rooftop and talk, while the kittens listen at the windowsill. The subject of their conversation is the, que is the question of whether Duchess can stay and be with Thomas. Reluctantly, Duchess sadly turns him down, largely out of loyalty to Madame, pointing out that Madame really does love her and her kittens. And then it cuts to Madame and shows that she's truly very unhappy without her cats and feeling very much alone. I love Madame so much. What annoys me here is that at no point is Duchess like, but Thomas, you can come with us. Yeah. Like, be one of Madame's cats. Like, the offer's not even out there. No. Like, he's just like, baby, I'll miss you. <laughs> Pretty much like, well, and... Duchess, try and keep your man. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this beautiful Disney film called Lady and the Tramp, but uh, <laughs> right? that could be us, could because be us. I am a lady and you are a tramp. <laughs> you are a tramp. Even though this takes place in 1910 before that movie came oh out, but God. you know what we're saying. The listening kittens are disappointed, although they too wish to go home, but are very sad that they have to say goodbye to Thomas. Even Berlioz goes so far as to say that they almost had a father. Edgar, meanwhile, retrieves his sidecar, umbrella, and a hat from Napoleon and Lafayette with some difficulty. That was funny, yeah. by the way. Him trying to, like, grab his stuff. Yeah, he's using, like, and a Napoleon fishing And Napoleon Lafayette pole. being like, there's something fishy going on. Yeah. Well, I like how um, Napoleon can just, like, hear exactly... It's this kind of shoe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. size nine and a half. Oh, what color? A black. What color? Like, <laughs> it's it a great line. And the cats make it back to the mansion, after which O'Malley departs sadly, after he and Duchess have, have a heartfelt fare farewell moment. I hate how sad he is to leave them. Edgar sees Duchess and the kittens coming, and suddenly captures them, places them in a sack, and briefly hides them in the oven. The cats tell Roquefort, Roquefort, mm, the cats tell Roquefort to persuade O'Malley and get help. He does so, at which point... O'Malley races back to the mansion, uh, ordering, I'm just going to call him Winnie the Pooh, ordering Winnie the Pooh to find <laughs> Scat Cat and his gang. Edgar places the cats in a, in a truck, uh, in a trunk, which he plans to send to Timbuktu, Africa, so they can never come back. And I have a note here saying the Parisian drinking wine when Winnie the Pooh and the alley cats run past also made me crack up. He pours out the wine because of what he saw. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's losing his mind. <laughs> O'Malley, Scat Cat, and his gang, and Frofu all fight Edgar, while Winnie the Pooh frees Duchess and the kittens. In the end, Edgar is tipped into the trunk, locked inside, and sent to Timbuktu himself, where he definitely dies. <laughs> like, he dies in that trunk. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um, and 
I, I cracked up at when even Edgar froze when Roquefort or Winnie the Pooh, whatever I'm calling him, yells out quiet. Like I was laughing very hard at that. They were all fighting each other and he, he screams yep. quiet. And they all just stop. Madame's will is rewritten to exclude Edgar and includes O'Malley. She starts a charity foundation providing a home for all of Paris's stray cats, to which most of the major characters come. The grand opening thereof features Scat Cats Band, who perform a reprise of Everybody Wants to Be a Cat, and we have Everybody Wants to Be a Cat Reprise, sung by Phil Harris, Scat, Scatman Crothers, Thurl Ravenscroft, Vito Scotty, Paul Winchell, Ruth Buzzy, and Bill Thompson. And I wrote down that it is high energy and fine way to end the film, 8.5 out of 10. I agree. And then we have a little caveat here at the end where Napoleon and Lafayette join the party, but realize it sounds like the end. The words, the end, then hit Napoleon on the head. I died. <laughs> well, the whole movie he's been saying, I'm in charge and nothing happens until... And then he says, it's not the end until I say it's the end. And it hits him in the head and he goes, it's the end. Um, he then ducks down saying the line while it shows itself on screen. The cats finish their song with a happy ending while the end title card dances. Then Toulouse says the final line, oh yeah. From earlier on, just as the movie officially ends, fading to black, showing Walt Disney Productions under the end. Um, I have one note here about an unused song. It, it was called She Never Felt Alone, and it was sung by Robbie Lester. And this was going to take place in the scene where Duchess is explaining to O'Malley about how much her relationship means with Madame. Um, and it, it was recorded, it just wasn't animated and put into the film, so... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go into my overall scoring, unless there's anything else you'd like to say before we get no, there. Okay. That's good. So I'm mixed about this one. For the most part, I enjoyed the film a lot. However, it's not without its flaws. For one, while the animation of the animals in this film looks great, some of the humans look as though they have rough lines going through them. I don't know if it was done to make them look different from the animals or to give some sort of sense of motion to their animation, but I didn't like it. You could particularly see it with Madame's hair and everything. Like there, yeah. there were lines going through it that I just didn't like. Also, when it comes to the plot, I feel like we've seen this from Disney before. The film is very similar to Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan, and 101 Dalmatians. There are new elements ad added, like a single mother and her children, but overall the story hits a lot of the same beats. However, the humor was great, and I believe it's a step up from the Disney classics of before. Not that there wasn't an adult joke or two in some of those, but this one seems to be when Disney started shifting from making children's films to family entertainment. Also, the music was mostly enjoyable, though the only memorable song, in my opinion, is Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. All that being said, I'm giving the Aristocats a 7 out of 10. You know... Here's the thing. This definitely is just 101 Dalmatians with cats. Like, similar, you just throw in that the mother is still with the children, which... Oh, it's a Disney movie and the mother is still hanging out with the children the whole movie? Oh. Is this the first alive Disney... Oh, no, Aurora <laughs> had the first alive Disney mother. But this is the second one, I think. Well, Perdita is there in 101 oh, Dalmatians, oh, yeah, right. but she's not with the children yeah, the whole time. You know, that's, okay. that's what I'm trying to say. Like, so we're on mother number three. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, at least she's there with the children. Instead, we have a completely non-existent father. Until O'Malley. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I also gave it a 7 out of 10. Like, I like this film. I think it's 
beloved for a reason, but I also think it lacks towards the end. Like, Edgar doesn't feel enough like a villain to really make the end like, yeah, throw him in the, throw him the Timbo too, get rid of him. Yeah. Like, you're kind of like, ah, oh, he's just a sad man who wanted money. Don't we all just want money when we're that old? Yeah. Like, if somebody told me... No, I see, I would keep the cats alive, but I would work around it. But does it, it wouldn't make me a bad person for wanting the money. No. Agreed. That's what I... Like, they could have given him some sort of character flaw, like, that he's allergic to cats, too. So he's already predisposed not to like them. And now they're standing or in the... that he just really doesn't like them because you see him treat them so well, too, like before that. And they talk about him like he's so beloved that yeah. it's frustrating in a way that's like... But if he loves them so much, like, even if he doesn't, like, he's in love with them the way Madame is, like, why would he even be like, let's get rid of them? Like... And he definitely 100% dies because Madame says... Oh, I can't believe Edgar just ran away. Like, he never came back. No. I think he fell into that trunk, was knocked unconscious, unconscious, and then by the time he came through, he was already on the ship or something, like, and just starved to death in that trunk, or dehydration, whatever. Like, he didn't deserve what he, when he, what he ended up getting. Did, was he, did he, did he do a bad thing by abandoning the cats in the wild? Yes. Did he kill the cats? No. Which he could have easily done. we never know if that's really his plan, is to kill the cats. Like, he never really, I mean, I guess... Earlier on, when he sings his little song, he is talking about, like, getting rid of the cats. But again, I don't think he actually mentions offing them. So. No. And he could have. He could have put poison in their food instead of sleeping pills. Like, he's he's not a Disney villain at, like, Cruella or uh, Maleficent yeah, or something. Yeah, like, he's not trying to skin the cats. It's very... Mm. I don't know. I think that's where this movie lacks, is just having a villain that you're like, oh, man... Like, even this, like, if we had, maybe they needed a secondary villain. Like, make the dogs a villain, too. Like, they treat Edgar poorly. Like, maybe yeah. they treat the cats poorly, too. Like, make the dogs a secondary villain. Like, do something to, like... The closest thing we have to a secondary villain is when the geese are trying to teach O'Malley how to swim. Let's <laughs> <And almost laughs> kill O'Malley. Yeah, that, that's the closest thing we have to a secondary villain in yeah, this Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Those but, evil geese. <laughs> oh, and uh, Madame and Georges, they were totally getting it on behind the scenes. Oh. It, it was right there. Like, blazing to see, in my opinion. I forgot to mention that in the film, but the two of them, yeah. they. Oh, yeah. They're they get, friends. They get down. Friends with benefits. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's Paris, of course. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, how they, that's how they live. But anything else you'd like to say, or should I go into no, that? No, I think we're good. Okay. Well, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Stiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.